Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Wednesday, February 16th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. Several years ago, I read a book called Power Versus Force. The book is authored by um, David Hawkins. I believe he's an MD and also has a PhD. And the book is about the difference, obviously, between using force to make something happen and using what is I guess, rightfully called true power, which has nothing to do with force. And I've been thinking about that book in light of what's happened in Canada in particular, because I think that what's happening in Canada with the truckers is a microcosm of something that's happening all around the world. And it must have something to do with a transition that we are going through as a species. Maybe we're recycling back through something we've been through in our past, and maybe that's why the expression exists, that we need to learn the past so as not to make its mistakes again. But maybe it's not. Maybe it's a new experience we're having as a species, and we're learning about what true power is versus what force is all about. So the reason that I'm drawn to what's happening in Canada as a microcosm is partially because as a former divorce lawyer turned mediator, I've been on both sides of what conflict resolution looks like, meaning the following. When I was a divorce attorney, it made me an advocate for one of two parties. And it made me a zealous advocate because my duty as a divorce attorney under the canon of ethics is to provide my client with the best possible representation, meaning zealous representation. And as a divorce attorney, because divorce is one of the most emotional things a person goes through in their lifetime, and those cases are always highly charged, there are very few of them that are amicable when it's come down to two parties with two separate attorneys who are battling it out, so to speak, and not in agreement on many of the issues. My experience as a divorce attorney was, in a sense, an education about power versus force because I had the reputation of being a very tough but fair attorney representing my client. And because my reputation was tough and fair and also always incredibly prepared, 99% of my cases settled. They settled because I knew my case, I knew what the courts were likely to do, I was always looking for a reasonable settlement. And if I was finally in a courtroom, a judge in Pennsylvania, they're called masters who hear divorce, a master knew that somewhere someone was being unreasonable and it most likely wasn't me. And that served me really well. And those lawyers that I wound up in a courtroom against, that 1%, were precisely those lawyers who were extremely battle-oriented. They were about bullying 
and demanding and forcing what they wanted in a settlement. And I never would because I always knew that if I had to go to a courtroom, I was prepared and I would be reasonable in the eyes of the court. When I became a mediator, I had to put a different hat on. I had to not be that zealous advocate. I had to be a neutral who sat in the center, who sat in that balanced portion of those two parties. And I acted, and I still act, to try to mediate, not to kill that word and use it to death, but to try to bring together the parties in their differences so that they can each have a sense of having been heard, having understood one another's interests, and being able to sort of create common ground, at least common ground enough to resolve it without extensive litigation. Why do I bring all of this up in light of Canada? The reason is I heard many of those truckers interviewed, including the one who had begun and organized that convoy, say that they just wanted Justin Trudeau to sit down with them. They just wanted him to sit down and for them to be heard. And Justin Trudeau's response has been to enact the Emergency Powers Act. His response is escalating and inflaming the situation. He reminds me now of those lawyers, that 1% I talked to you about, who never wanted it to end other than their way. There wasn't going to be a compromise and they didn't hear the other side because they weren't open to that kind of resolution because they're most comfortable in battle. If Justin Trudeau understood true power and felt he had it himself, he would have welcomed the opportunity to sit down with those truckers because he would know that he is confident in his position He could therefore relax and allow himself to hear what their interests were and are and know that out of that could come a resolution. Maybe not the exact resolution he wants, maybe not the exact resolution they were looking for, but a mutually acceptable resolution to both of them, to the interests of both parties. But he can't do that because he's weak and he's insecure. And weak and insecure people are like bullies. They have to bring down the heavy hammer. They have to make the most noise. They have to have the unwavering position. And it's a true example to me of power versus force. Because when I listen to those truckers, almost to each and every man and woman that I've seen interviewed in those cabs or on the streets of Ottawa, They are calm, they are caring, they are rational and reasonable. And in fact, what they want becomes less and less shocking every day as mask mandates are being dropped all over the world, all over the United States, even in democratic cities, which is a whole other topic as to why that's happening now in democratic-run cities who were so adamant for mask wearing. But nonetheless, it's happening globally except in a few places where they've got, you know, huge spikes in cases of COVID and they think that masks and lockdowns are the way to go. But certainly not in the West. It's beginning to wane. And yet there stands Justin Trudeau. And I think he represents something greater than the issue of the moment. 
I think he represents, as I said, in the microcosm, the macrocosm of governments around the world, corporations around the world, financial institutions around the world who are attempting and who are proceeding with forcing people into positions, not because they have reached amicable agreement, but because they are sort of cutting people off at the knees. And all you do when you do that is sow the seeds of future escalating discontent. You can break a person in the moment, but what you leave them with is bitterness and a feeling of vengefulness. They want to get even. When you break someone in such a forceful and violent and untenable way, governments are trying to do that. You know, that's what in many ways the vaccine mandate is all about. It's the president of the United States telling people, I say you have to get this jab and therefore you have to get this jab. He's tried. Now, fortunately, the Supreme Court of the United States said no to the private industry vaccine mandate that he attempted to implement through OSHA. But there is still this manipulation. There are now credit card companies that are refusing to process sales, gun sales. There are insurance companies that are raising rates and are making it very difficult and ultimately impossible for people to insure their businesses if they are in firearms-related businesses. These are methods of force that are trying to force people, compel people to comply. They don't end well. They may have a short-term satisfaction for the person or the entity inflicting the compliance, but in the long run, again, they sow the seeds of discontent, and I believe they sow the seeds of future violence, because you can push people and you can break people, but that comes back to haunt you. There isn't an example in the world where it doesn't come back to haunt. You can probably see it in your own life in instances where you too may have forced someone into a position they did not want to be. And in the moment you had the satisfaction of, okay, I got away with that or I pulled that off. But I'm sure that relationship, be it business or personal, was tainted for life and perhaps destroyed from that point on. Power versus force are two interesting concepts to compare and mostly contrast. And I think that all of us know that true power is quiet, that true power really, ultimately, as I like to say, there's only two emotions, love and fear, and all positive emotions derive from love and all negative emotions derive from fear. Well, power, true power derives from love because it has certainty, it has calm, it has compassion, it has empathy, and it has insight. And that's in fact what makes it so powerful. Force is short-lived and has ugly and devastating repercussions. I encourage all my listeners to look around at what's happening locally, statewide, federally, and globally. And look for those places where you see true power. Look for the individuals who exemplify true power. And then look at those who exemplify force. And where you see force, if you are in business, doing business with such people or such entities, consider withdrawing your energy 
and stopping your own inadvertent funding of that kind of an approach. Because it's always love that prevails. It's always the positive emotion that prevails. It's always the positive mindset that prevails. It's always the positive that is constructive. And it is always the negative that is destructive. And so using force will always end poorly. Short-term gain for a long-term loss. It makes a lot more sense to look at the long game to behave accordingly and to plan for that and to aim for that. I think Justin Trudeau has really missed the mark, overshot the mark, and I think it will shortly come back to haunt him what he has done in Canada. Completely unrelated to this is something I want to share that's personal that happened to me this week because I think it's also a great example of how we get through the times that we're in. Two days ago, I had to go into Austin for a personal matter. And as I was driving in, I was listening to a talk radio show and there was a discussion about a vote that was about to happen in the Senate over three proposed nominees for the Federal Reserve Board and why those three nominees are very bad for the country. There was sort of a, an ask by the radio hosts that we reach out and contact our senators and indicate that we hope they will vote no for these nominees. Having been involved in politics and been involved in politics in Washington, D.C. earlier in my life, I know that that is effective. It's not a waste of your time to reach out to your congressmen and senators and let them know how you feel on issues. They log every call. They log every email. They log every fax. And so as I was driving, I called both of my senator's offices here in Texas, Ted Cruz and John Cornyn, and I expressed my request that they vote against these three nominees, against confirming them. All of that was pretty intense. As you know, I'm driving. I have to get the numbers of the D.C. offices. And, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of things I probably shouldn't be doing behind the wheel. But I got to Austin and I, may, I had made the two calls on the way. When I got to Austin, I actually had to stop at a veterinarian's office and drop off a sick animal, which I did. And then I had a personal errand or two I had to run. So I headed across town. And as I did... I drove down a road that I used to drive down all the time when I lived in Austin three years ago. And at a major intersection, there is a homeless person. His name is Doug and his dog's name is Elvis. It's a golden retriever. And everyone in Austin knows Doug and Elvis because they're sort of staples. He's a veteran. He's a wonderful person. The dog is a sweetheart and everybody drives by and a lot of people give a donation. He's always at that intersection and he's always seeking donations. He's had lots of health problems, etc. As I approached the intersection, I wasn't sure if he would be there. He's not there every day, but there he was. And I hadn't seen him or Elvis in the two and a half years since I moved out of Austin. So as I approached the red light, I was right next to him. He was in the, in the center island. And I put down the window and I asked him how he was and did he remember me? And we had a moment to talk and I asked him how he was feeling. And he said, okay, but he had obviously aged a lot since I had seen him and gotten very frail looking. And I asked for how Elvis was doing. And he told me, okay, but his hips are beginning to bother him. You know, he's getting older and, and Goldens have that problem. So I gave him a charitable donation and off I went. 
And my next stop was one of my personal errands, and it was at Sephora, which is a makeup store. I needed to get some cosmetics. So I walked in, and Sephora has a procedure where their salespeople stand right by the door, and as you come in, they say, can I help you? And so the next salesperson takes the next customer coming in. And I walked in, and it was a young man. He was about 30 or 28 or 30 years old, and he was the next salesperson, and I became the next customer. And I could tell the moment he saw me that he didn't really want to wait on me. He didn't really want to help me. He wanted someone younger. I could tell because he looked beyond me to the next person and I could almost see the disappointment in his face that he didn't have the young girl behind me. Not that I'm decrepit and old, but I'm much older than him and much older than the girl behind me. So he helped me, but he helped me begrudgingly. Never made eye contact with me the whole time I was there. And he took me around the store to the places where I needed to find the product I was looking for. But his back was to me the entire time. And he was walking ahead of me as if I was inconsequential and he couldn't wait to get done with this person. Finally, I left the store. And when I walked out, I felt really badly for me. I felt badly for the way he had made me feel and how obvious it was that he didn't want to help someone older. And then I looked down the row of stores and there was a Trader Joe's and I had an idea. So I walked down to the Trader Joe's and I went right to the pet section and I thought if they're going to have one product here, it's going to be glucosamine chondroitin. It's going to be for bone health for animals. And sure enough, beside dog food, the only product they had for health were bottles of glucosamine chondroitin, which is joint, and joint maintenance and joint health for dogs. I bought several bottles. I got in the car and I couldn't drive fast enough back to where Elvis and Doug had been standing. And it took me about 10, 12 minutes to get back there. And as I approached the intersection, I didn't see him. And I thought, oh no, he left. But then by the side of the road, I saw that he and Elvis had gone off to the side to sit down on the grass and have a bite to eat. And so I pulled my car over and put the flashers on and I got out and he saw me. I waved to him and he came walking toward me. And I said, here, Doug, these are for Elvis. It'll take four to six weeks, but you've got more than you need here. It should help his hips. He reached out his hand with the biggest smile on his face and we shook hands and he thanked me and off I went. I tell you this because of how I started this podcast and because of how I'm going to end it. We are living in very trying, stressful, difficult times, whether it's the news stories like what's happening with the truckers or whether it's the need to reach out to Congress people to make sure that inappropriate people aren't appointed to powerful positions in government or whether it's a rude salesperson at Sephora who clearly lacks compassion and or empathy and certainly lacks customer service. We live in difficult and trying times, but those few moments of going into Trader Joe's, finding the glucosamine chondroitin, driving back to Doug and Elvis, and the moments of exchange that I had with Doug when I gave him the medication blotted out everything else that happened that day. And when I think about that day, the only thing I really feel is the joy and the love that I got from that exchange and from the genuine desire to help Elvis and in return to help Doug. 
There are only two emotions, love and fear. Choose the one you want to live by tomorrow and the day after and the day after. And I believe that if we all combine love with true power and not hate with force, we'll not only live in a better world, we'll create a better future for those who come after us. I'm Carol Gold. Thanks for listening. I'll be back here again on Friday. And until I do, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.